This series of podcasts on quantum nanotechnology is available free in both audio-only and full video formats from iTunes U. In this podcast, we'll start to think about how we might create a device, a technology, based on these molecular building blocks with their remarkable quantum properties. Is it good for anything? This whole business of thinking about superpositions, two states at once, managing to show that they really can exist for a certain period of time, is that useful for anything? Well, it is. For perhaps 20 to 30 years, physicists have been dreaming of a new kind of technology, radically different to anything we have at the moment, a, a quantum information processor or quantum computer for short. Now, an, a conventional computer stores all its information, and by information I mean sure text, but also uh, audio, pictures, movies, everything is ultimately broken down into zeros and ones that describe that information and then stored and processed within the computer as two different states. So a particular component of a conventional computer may either be storing a zero or a one. Those are the two possibilities. But now the idea of a quantum computer is instead of being able to just store a zero or a one at a particular location within itself, it will be able to store superpositions, just like the ones we've been talking about. Instead of a bit, a zero or one, we would have a quantum bit, or qubit for short. Now I think that you can see that if we have a device, and at one point inside it, it has a qubit. So now our nitrogen atom with its spin, that's an ideal example of something that can store a qubit. If this is storing a qubit, it's uh, up and down, or let's say 0 and 1, just changing our labels, at the same time. And if we have a second one next to it, then the combined entity, the two chaps at once, can be up in up to four states at once. The spins could be up, up, or down, down, or up, down, or down, up. Four possibilities. And if we had three of them, it would be eight possibilities, and so on. As we increase the number of physical units, the number of states in our superposition, the number of things that are there simultaneously, goes up exponentially. And that is uh, one important ingredient in the power and promise and potential of a quantum computer. But the first practical question for us is this. So far we've talked about an experiment in which we have a soup of these guys floating around, not talking to each other. That's no good. We need to assemble it in some way into some kind of device. We need to have a structure in which these things sit in an ordered way. So that's the next step. How can we take these N at C60 objects and assemble them into something that starts to resemble a technology? And here we have a second computer animation that shows one way we're going to try and do that. How can we create some kind of device based on molecular building blocks? Well, here's an animation that shows us one kind of approach. Here we see a bundle or rope of nanotubes wound together, floating around in some kind of appropriate fluid. We also see buckyballs. Some are empty and some have a nitrogen atom trapped inside. Now the buckyballs love to cleave to the outside of the nanotubes. But what they really love to do, for reasons we'll see presently, is go inside. Once a buckyball has gone inside a nanotube, it's unable to get out again. It's an irreversible process. So over time, the initially empty nanotubes become 
stuffed with buckyballs like peas in a pod. We can then cause the rope of nanotubes to break up into individual tubes, and then these individual nanotubes can be allowed to deposit onto a suitable solid surface. Once the nanotube has deposited onto a surface, we can detect its presence, and we can then lay down metallic electrodes on top of the tube in order to make contact with it. Now the scale here is slightly deceptive. The width of the tube should be almost invisible compared to the thickness of the electrodes. But now we're zooming out, and we can see that as we get further from the core of the structure, we can allow the electrodes to be fatter, until eventually they terminate on standard contact pads. But the entire structure, the entire device, is still only one millimeter across. Here we have a toy that we've put together to show the physics of one of the processes that you saw happening within that uh, computer animation. Here I have a metal ball that represents for us the buckyballs, with, with or without the nitrogen atom inside. Down here, I have a metal tube that represents, of course, our nanotube. Now, what we saw in the animation is that when our buckyballs get close to the surface of the tube, they become attracted to it and they stick on. So here you can see that, that that's what's happened here. It's a weak bond. It's just the van der Waals type affinity that the carbon atoms in the buckyball have for the carbon atoms making up the tube. The buckyball is free to actually move around on the surface and it will roam around the surface until eventually it will roam near the mouth of the tube. And when that happens, then it's sucked into the tube. And once it's in there, it's much harder for it to get out. In fact, it is impossible for it to get out in the real experiment. And you can see here how much extra force I'm having to apply in order to recover it from the inside of the tube. So if we imagine that one buckyball had already gone inside, and then, then somewhere else there's another one that's stuck on the outside, it roams around, it roams around, and eventually it gets sucked into the tube as well. Basically because the ball can be in much better contact with the tube by being inside it than by being outside, where it can only uh, be in contact at a point. But when it's inside the tube, it can be in contact in uh, a full circle around the uh, outside of the sphere. So in that way, we will eventually end up with a full peapod structure, where the inside of the tube is packed with fullerenes that have gone in but been unable to come out again. So we've seen that it is possible to create these kinds of prototype device based on molecular building blocks, each of which can contain a quantum superposition. But if we imagine a full technology based on this approach, then would we be able to control it? And if so, what would it be able to do for us? Well, that's the topic of the next and final podcast in this series. If you have any feedback, then please just email me at s.benjamin, that's B-E-N-J-A-M-I-N, -E at qubit, Q-U-B-I-T, dot org.